Welcome to The Greek Current, a podcast by Halk and Kathy Merini. I'm your host, Thanos Davelis. This week, a Turkish court condemned Turkish philanthropist and civic leader Osman Kavala to life in prison, a verdict that's been described as a travesty of justice. The State Department also chimed in, expressing its deep concern. Its statement only mentioned Osman Kavala, however, failing to call out Turkey for appending the lives of the other defendants, including Professor Henri Barki, a U.S. citizen and former State Department employee. Mervita Hiroglu and Henri Barki join me today to discuss this verdict, the U.S. response, and its potential impact on Turkey's relations with the West. Mervita Hiroglu is the Turkey Program Coordinator at the Project on Middle East Democracy, and Henri Barki is the Cohen Professor of International Relations at Lehigh University and an adjunct senior fellow for Middle East Studies at the Council on Foreign Relations. Merve, Henri, welcome to the Greek Current. It's great to have you both on. Good to be here. Great to be here. Merve, the State Department issued a strongly worded statement condemning the unjust conviction of Osman Kavala. In comments to Al-Monitor, you noted that this response is quote-unquote promising. Why is that? Well, first, I have to mention that they didn't condemn it technically, but they did heavily criticize the convictions. I do think it was strongly worded in that they called the conviction unjust, which is pretty important, uh, I think, and it is rather strong language coming from the State Department. I called it promising because this statement to me was a bit surprising that it came out, actually, over the last six months, if not even longer We haven't really seen much commentary coming from the State Department regarding blatant human rights violations inside Turkey and very serious domestic issues. I think that's a product of a closer relationship that Turkey and the United States and its NATO allies have seemed to be embarked on ever since the onset of the Russian war on Ukraine. But I do think we could trace it back even to the original U.S. departure from Afghanistan. Both of these crises, it appears to me, have elevated the importance of Turkey and the Turkish government in the eyes of the U.S. and other NATO partners. So especially in the last few weeks, even last few months, even though at the very beginning of the Biden administration, we saw one after another, many State Department statements and commentary about human rights violations in Turkey, those seem to have been muted since, you know, the onset of the Ukrainian war. So I was pleasantly surprised to see the State Department actually issue a statement on this very, very important trial and the horrific convictions. Henri, the State Department only mentioned Osman Kavala in its statement, yet there were a total of 17 individuals, including yourself, whose lives have been upended as a result of this trial. What's your reaction to what, in my view, is a glaring omission? I'm definitely very, very disappointed. Listen, it doesn't take much to add one sentence to a statement like this one and say, we're concerned that Henri Baki is still being unjustly persecuted because this is a completely made-up charge because I have the whole indictment. It's a farce. So I don't know why the State Department doesn't do things like that. I mean, why they're so, whether they're lazy or they can't be bothered. The only time the State Department ever issued a statement was when the Biden administration came in and they mentioned me along with Osman Kavala. And I think that's because at the time, the Deputy Assistant Secretary was somebody I knew fairly well and was very conscious of my case. And clearly at this stage, they don't seem to care, but it is a problem for me. There's no question. And I'm, I'm disappointed. I'm not only a U.S. citizen, but I used to work at the State Department. I mean, 
I know a lot of people at the sick department. And you would think that they would support one of own, but that's them. Mervi, what do you make of this omission by the State Department? I also noticed the glaring omission when the statement came out on his name not being mentioned. And I also uh, was quite disappointed to see that, especially because, you know, the fact that Henri is an American citizen, a former State Department employee, and his involvement in this case really directly ties this case to the interests of the United States. So I think it would have been important for the United States to make a mention, at least, of his involvement in here. Thanos, let me add just one sentence to what Mave said, and I think she made a good point. Look, they used me, essentially, to blame the United States for the attempted coup of 2016. They have nothing that shows any American involvement, except that I was in Turkey that night, right? And as a former State Department employee, that's what they use in their own imagination or in the way they talk to their own people, that the United States was involved in the coup. That's also a reason why the State Department should have been far more specific and pushed back on my case. Henri, given how you've been dragged through this ordeal, facing Turkish harassment and the threat of arrest, what does this week's verdict mean for you looking ahead? Look, I feel terrible for all those people who are now in jail. And of course, Osman has been in jail for four and a half years. I had this tiny little hope that they were going to come up with a way to release Osman. But this is somebody who spent now four and a half years of his life. You know, he's 63 years old now. And you don't do this. Look, if there was a scintilla of evidence, I would say, okay, but there isn't. So this is such a terrible attack on the justice system, not just in Turkey, but everywhere, and common sense. Merve, I think that everyone watching this trial in the West had the same hope that Henri just described, that in the end, international pressure would bear fruit and prevent this verdict. Given the enormous damage this trial has done to Turkey's standing abroad, why has Ankara chosen to take this step now? Well, I think the international pressure was simply not strong enough. I mean, there have been multiple statements from at least 10 transatlantic allies of Turkey, including the United States, about this. But the statements generally come from the embassies or the foreign officials. I think the only leaders of countries that have even spoken about this, and I'm not even sure, may have been German Chancellor Merkel. But we haven't really seen, you know, any kind of statement coming from top officials in any of Turkey's interlocutors. There has been this threat by the Council of Europe to start an infringement process against Turkey if it did not comply with the European Court of Human Rights ruling to release Kavala and also to drop the case. And the case we're talking about here is exactly the case on which they just gave all these convictions this week. But even this you know, threat of the infringement process has been going on for two years. It took them two years to even say, okay, we're finally launching it. And now that they're launching it, you know, I believe Ankara expects that this process of actual infringement will drag on for a few more years. This is the you know, historical precedent that we have. The one and only country that has been put through such a process before was Azerbaijan, and that one took multiple years as well. So I think the Turkish government believes that it's going to be able to get away with this for at least a few years, especially now, given that everybody's focus is on Russia and how to try to constrain Russian war on Ukraine. 
they think they can get away with it. So I think the international pressure was not strong enough. And, you know, domestically, I think President Erdogan and his government simply believe that, A, they can get away with this kind of behavior in terms of their foreign relations with Western partners, and B, they, I think, want to show the opposition in Turkey, both in political parties and also among the public and civil society, that they are only going to get more vengeful and authoritarian as we are looking at an election, a very contentious election coming up in just a year, in which, you know, the polls all show that President Erdogan is essentially set to lose this election, if the election will be, in fact, free, of course. Henri, why do you think that this is taking place now, you know, this decision from the court? Well, there's been a sham process. Every month there's been a trial, or I should say a session, and the lawyers go through the motions, the judges go through the motions, and then the issue is now, I mean, I agree with what Merve said about the timing and what they're doing now, but it is also something else. They're using this to show the Turkish public that they can stand up to the West. This is all about the West, all about showing the public that Erdogan and company are strong and they can stand up to the West. And the reason why this has gone on as long as it has is because Erdogan has been in power for 20 years. He thinks that everything he says is God's truth and he can get away with it. Nobody challenges him. And he has something personal against Osman and we don't really know what it is. Henri, you mentioned that this is about the West. If we're going to think about it in that framework, how is this impacting Turkey's relations with the West? Are you concerned that geopolitical considerations will mean the U.S., for example, will put human rights and other bilateral issues on the back burner? Yes. This has always been the case. It's not new. I mean, let's face it, Turkey geopolitically is a very important state. And today, whether it is the Middle East or it is the war in the Ukraine, it sits in a pivotal area. The only time the United States has come down strongly has been with the case of the F-35 aircraft when the Turks bought Russian anti-aircraft missiles, the S-400s, and despite American warnings not to do it, that's the only time in recent memory that we've seen the Turks being punished by the United States for something. And that was not a human rights issue. It was essentially a strategic issue. On human rights, the only thing I should say is President Biden did send a message to the Turks, but they seemed not to care much about it. It's because when he had this democracy summit, he invited democracies and he did not invite Turkey, i.e. saying, let's face it, Turkey is no longer a democracy. That was the only time there was a message. It was a subtle message. It was a message that the Turkish government could avoid evade and play down. Can I add something? Absolutely. That I fully agree. And, you know, it is true that historically the United States hasn't really prioritized human rights issues in Turkey, and neither does the Biden administration. But I think we should hold the Biden administration to a higher standard than that, because this administration did make a promise to center its foreign policy at the end of the day on human rights. I mean, they said themselves that they were going to do this. So I'm, you know, extra disappointed 
to see that they're not doing anything, you know, beyond not inviting Turkey to the democracy summit, which is important and symbolic, but I, I don't think it's enough and I don't think it really fulfills the promise made by President Biden himself when he first came to office. Merve, Henri, thank you both for joining us again. Thank you. Thank you very much. It's a pleasure to be here. In other news, Greece said on Wednesday it would offer help to Bulgaria after Russia cut off its gas supply, and that it will make its own next payment to Russian gas producer Gazprom at the end of May, as scheduled. Gazprom said on Wednesday it had halted gas supplies to Bulgaria and Poland for failing to pay in rubles, the Kremlin's toughest retaliation yet to international sanctions over the war in Ukraine. Prime Minister Kyriakos Mitsotakis and his Bulgarian counterpart Kirill Petkov discussed the issue by phone on Wednesday. Later, a Greek energy ministry official told Reuters that Bulgaria had already booked some cargoes of liquefied natural gas to be delivered via Greece's Revithusa LNG terminal. Finally, Greece filed a day march to the Turkish ambassador in Athens on Wednesday morning over repeated violations of Greek airspace by Turkish fighter jets, which also flew over residential areas. The démarche was presented to the Turkish ambassador by Foreign Affairs Secretary General Themistoklis Demiris. These actions are a violation of Greek sovereignty and an unacceptable provocation and contravene fundamental principles of international law, he said. He added that besides being illegal and provocative, they endanger international air traffic, entirely contravene the principles of good neighborly relations between Greece and Turkey, and undermine efforts to establish a climate of trust. That wraps up today's episode of The Greek Current. Thanks for tuning in.